0: Is it cold there? I had Winnie's lunch. What did you have? Maybe they'll fix my tricycle. Billy? Who are you talking to? Grandma. She's lonesome.
1: She wanted to know if I can come stay with her. Can I, Mama? Can I? Uh, Something. And welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. And I'm Kevin. And I hope you guys, uh, you know, got back from Vegas or whatever it is, your schemes, and you made your money, and you're back to listen to us talk about this. Uh, I was about to say wonderful episode. I'm not going to use that word. Yeah, I uh,
0: used my mind to transport us to this week. I don't know. <laughs> there yeah. you go. I guess you can't use telekinesis to travel in time. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if, 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 I guess I if just it's mixed big up enough, my uh, yeah. my superpowers. So uh, whatever. Yeah. We'll right. see, we can move past
1: that. Yeah. So I just want to let you know before we get started, I'm wearing um, I'm wearing my long pants for this episode. <laughs>
0: oh so. good. Good. I'm glad you lived <laughs> long enough to experience <laughs> long pants.
1: I'll have something to say about that speech when we get there There, there, I was gonna say there's an interesting bit of trivia actually around that speech and it's and that's uh there's not there's not a lot of interesting trivia about this episode but that that piece is uh we'll, we'll get there when we get there so um very nice a long distance call season two, episode 22. Air date March 31st, 1961. Uh, number one film is 101 Dalmatians again. They um they beat back that hoodlum priest and they took back over the box office. 101 Dalmatians just <laughs> a word of, uh, word
0: of mouth must not have been uh too strong about that hoodlum yeah, priest.
1: They're just like, there's not 100 other hoodlum priests, I'm not interested. Uh, number one song is Elvis Presley's uh, Surrender. Um, I couldn't find anything of worth for March 31st, but the next day, April 1st, uh, April Fool's Day, uh, Jim Baker, uh, who was 21, and Tammy Faye um, Laval, or Laval, whatever, 19, who had met while students at North Central Bible College in Minneapolis were married. As Jim and Tammy Faye Baker, the two would become America's most famous televangelist couple, but would separate after scandal ended their PTL club ministry. So there you go. They, they, uh, got married on, um, uh, April 1st, 1961. Cool. I I don't know. I just, the, yeah, you're, I <laughs> you're, you're younger than me. You don't, I don't know if you remember, like the, this was a big scandal when that all fell apart. Like they were, you know, much like all those other mega churches, like eventually things happen and they fall from grace. And he was that whole thing of like, he cheated with, um, Oh, what was the name of that? <sighs> there we, he cheated with somebody. And there was a big, big public thing where he was like, I have sinned. Forgive me. And he's just bawling his eyes out and, you know, in front of everybody. And it was like this big thing. So, um, yeah. And then she obviously wore like six feet of makeup on her face every time she was on camera. So there you yeah. go. That's my my take on uh, Jim and Tammy Faye Baker. Well, maybe he was uh, doing something with a phone. I don't maybe. know. Calling. And I'd like on, to say that yeah. she had some good special effects work on her face all the time. So yeah, there, you go. there we go. So it ties into. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> yeah.
0: So there you go. Uh, yeah. I, I couldn't find much for that date. Uh, must have been a not so significant, significant day in history. So we'll jump into cast and crew here. This episode is directed by James Sheldon, who also directed The Whole Truth and A Penny for Your Thoughts. So uh, big fans of those ones.
1: Well, you know pity for your thoughts actually that one was okay you know and yeah no and i also give i'll give him i'll give him a mulligan on this because i don't know if this was necessarily his his failing i'll just say that or or was it a success (laughs) i I don't
0: know Uh, um so next uh, this episode was uh Maybe written by Charles Beaumont. Um, the idea was definitely from Bill Idelson, who penned the first copy of the teleplay. Um, a lot has been said about what actually happened with his teleplay. Because mm-hmm. the, I, I, there's a lot going into this as far as whatever happened to it. But he said in one interview that he gave it to Richard Matheson and somehow it ended up in Charles Beaumont's hand from the producer. Uh, but later on he said he gave it to Charles Beaumont, Charles Beaumont ended up rewriting it. And, um, yeah, there was some rights battle on who got credited for it. Um, but it ended yeah. up being credited, I believe equally to both of them.
1: Yeah. Is, so is
0: that true? So <laughs> I, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure you have a clearer picture of what actually happened.
1: Yes and no, um, and I'll save the second part of this when we get to that speech at the end that the father gives. Not speech, whatever that moment he has. Yeah, uh, yeah. Idleson was a friend of Matheson, and Matheson got him to submit to submit the script. It was rejected until Beaumont like picked it up, said he liked it, and he'd rewrite it. So like it it was kind of a group effort. So Matheson was like, "Hey, you should submit this," and so and then Beaumont like this is like this is not the first time we've seen Beaumont kind of champion an idea. And I don't know, and this will, like, we know that Beaumont's life, he ran into some hard hard physical and mental problems just because some kind of disease. So mm-hmm. I don't know if this was him, like, like, um, kind of, you know, like, waving his hands be like, oh, no, I'll, I'll, I'll rewrite this as opposed to him having the ability to write something on his own. You know, I don't know.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I think we're going to see, well, we just saw a few episodes where he uh, teamed up with OC Rich. So I, I like I said, I think he was a little bit overwhelmed. So I think just any good idea, he was like, yeah, I'll, I'll help you out with that, you yeah. know, just to fulfill his contract. Um, but, yeah, either way. Um, who we ended up getting credited with was Charles <laughs> Beaumont and Bill Idelson. So, <laughs> um, yeah, just it's just interesting because it is such a writer friendly show. And it seems like Bill Idelson was kind of upset with how he ended up getting treated on this.
1: Yeah, and so I, I read a little bit about um, uh, William Ideson, and this is his first break in screenwriting. So yeah, this is guy's foot in the door mm-hmm. having this there, right? He would go on to write a lot of sitcoms, um, and that's you know that's awesome a lot of like, like New Heart and things like that. He also wrote the screenplay, I believe, for 1963's The Crawling Hand, um, which I don't oh. know what that is, but that sounds like something that you would probably already own. Um, and he did some acting, too, and he was actually in a world of difference. So he was in one of the he was one of the the crew members on the set, I think, for that episode.
0: Oh, very nice. Um, so
1: definitely must have been a fan.
0: Um, and then the only other thing I'll say as far as crew, they use some stock music from Bernard Herman.
1: Yeah. Every time the they
0: use some Bernard Herman, I feel like it's uh, important to, to bring up. And I think it was very well used in this episode. So just yeah. wanted to mention that. Uh, so cast, we have Philip Abbott, who plays Chris uh, Bales. Is that what it is? Yep. Chris Bales, who I couldn't find much about him that I was familiar with, but he was in one other episode of the, the Twilight Zone, which we'll see in the future. Um, do you have anything about
1: him? He was in an episode of the syndicated series Monsters. That's all I have. So. Oh, well, that
0: kind of ties in then. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have uh, Lily Darvis, who plays Grandma Bales. Who This was her only Twilight Zone episode. She was a Hungarian actress, uh, did a lot of work, a lot of stage work, ended up on Broadway at one point, uh, won a few awards. And it definitely comes through in her performance in this that she was a stage actress. Um, Um, One of those people. I know we've talked to about a handful of actors that came from that same background, and it usually is pretty apparent, but it is uh, (laughs) there's no doubt. In her performance, actually came from that.
1: Yeah, she's act, she's acting to the the back rows of a TV show, you know, like that's uh, very evident. But so her, yeah, yeah, but uh, we'll we'll talk about her yeah. performance because yeah. I
0: actually think it plays in pretty nicely to the story.
1: Yeah. So her husband, which I I should have written out his name. It's not, I guess, not that important to me when I was taking my notes. <laughs> um, he um, actually wrote a musical that Rodgers and Hammer, Hammerstein, I think, would end up adapting into Carousel. So like that's yeah. one of the bigger productions and so she you know you talk about having a theater background she you know was married to somebody who was successful you know uh like a playwright or musical writer not or, Yeah she so, she yeah. lived it. Yeah, there you go.
0: Yeah. Um so next up we have Patricia Smith who plays Sylvia Bales. This was her only Twilight Zone appearance and again somebody I couldn't find too much on that I was terribly familiar with. Yeah. Um Do you have anything on her?
1: I wrote a lot of TV work. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Usually I just don't write anything when I see that um, well, if, unless if, it's Hawaiian eye or Johnny Midnight.
1: If it's, if it was like more of like a lesser member of the cast, I probably wouldn't have made a note, but I'm like, she's, she's in it, you know, like she's, you know, front and center. Yeah.
0: There there's basically four main characters in this. And, uh, so definitely have to mention her. Um, <laughs> uh, next up we have bill, uh, mummy Mummy. I'm not quite sure how it's pronounced, but plays Billy Bales, the younger, the, uh, son in this he was in one episode of the 2000s twilight uh, zone episode he was in two other episodes of the original twilight zone he ended up in the twilight zone movie mm-hmm. uh probably most famously he was will robinson in the original lost in space series
1: yeah he's the he's uh, the boy in the it's a good life yeah uh, and yeah so, which
0: we'll see next season yeah that they redid that in the twilight zone movie and they well, they so.
1: revisited it in the the um the CW series or WB wherever Oh, I in was. the 2000. Okay. Yeah, well, that makes
0: sense why he was in. That and it was one called, it's or... still
1: a good life. So, uh, <laughs> um, very creative, but I, I didn't know this. He actually has a, a pretty big career doing voice work and he narrated all 50 episodes of 80s biography series.
0: Yeah, I and, did write that down. That's crazy. Yeah. And he's also a pretty, uh, well-established musician too. It, yeah. Um, I didn't get a chance to listen to his music. I was planning on it, but, um, Yeah. So check it out (laughs) if that sounds interesting. If you're a big Will Robinson fan, (laughs) uh, I guess there's a back catalog of music you can check out. And he was
1: in uh, Babylon 5, which, I mean, we're not. Yeah. He was
0: in the main role in that in like 109 episodes. Like the main series. Yeah. Which, you know,
1: I, I, you know, you know me, I love sci fi. I have not seen a single episode of Babylon 5.
0: Yeah. I wrote it down, but I. I'm so uh, unfamiliar with that show that I I almost didn't even want to mention it It because I know I know the show has its fans out there and uh, I feel like I would be doing it. disservice to the show to talk about it
1: yeah well the the big thing i'll mention about it and well two things one it was written by uh, j michael straczynski who he wrote a lot of great television ended up having some great comic runs but the thing about babylon 5 was that was syndicated but he was so convinced of the concept that when they were like well we'll make a season if and if it goes well we'll make another season he's like no if you're going to make this tv show you're going to pay you're going to give me a commitment for five seasons up front and they gave it to him like that okay. is unheard of to have yeah, that's, a syndicated that's pretty show. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, you hear about that now where like the, what was it? The, the guys are running lost got guaranteed for like, you know, like was it three or four seasons at the end? Like, like they were guaranteed that I was going to run that long for like the seven, but for Strasinski yeah. to be like, yeah, I want five or nothing. Like you don't hear of that anymore or ever.
0: Yeah. I, I would say I've never heard of that before. That's pretty insane. Cause I mean, getting a season four like, that's that's big money. Yeah. Like as soon as you get there cuz that's I mean Babylon 5 still probably plays on Sci-Fi channel to this day. So dude's getting a check every week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like or every month. Like that's that's awesome. Um
1: good for him. That's, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs>
0: I wish I could uh, find a gig like that. Right. Um, Just write so, five
1: seasons of a TV show. Yeah, I guess
0: I <laughs> guess I need to put in the work here. <laughs> Nobody's going to hand me five seasons of a show. Like, all right, get to work, man. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, cool. So next up we have Jenny Maxwell, who plays the babysitter. Very small role, but want wanted to mention her because she was in one episode of Hawaiian Eye. Yes. Uh, and she was also in Blue Hawaii with Elvis. And uh, I'm in a big Hawaii mood right now because I'm planning a trip to Hawaii. So uh, good for her for making a career around doing appearances in Hawaii.
1: <laughs> so the note about um, <laughs> about her in um, Blue Hawaii is this. Uh, Maxwell played Spoil uh, Ellie Corbett in Blue Hawaii, whom Elvis's character eventually tames by spanking her on the beach. Like yeah, that
0: sounds about right. That's, um,
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess that's a, that happened. So there you go.
0: And it sounds about right for those movies. Uh, so moving on, we have Reed Hammond who plays Mr. Peterson, the neighbor in this, uh, really not much on him. I think mm-hmm. there was about nine credits to his name and this was his only twilight zone. And then lastly, we have Henry. Uh, I'm not a doctor. I just play one on TV. Hunter <laughs> who plays the doctor. Um, uh, his only Twilight Zone appearance, and he is another one of those actors who played the basically the same role his entire career.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. It, but you didn't notice his credits because he had 121 of them. He was in Hawaii Eye and Johnny oh. Midnight. There
0: you go. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, did he play a doctor in either of those?
1: I I don't know. <laughs> probably probably the same doctor known as the doctor.
0: Um, I'm uh, I'm looking it up right now. Yeah. Uh, he plays Mr. Peterson in Hawaiian Eye, <laughs> which is funny because there's uh, <laughs> uh, a Mr. Peterson this one. Um. No, what was the uh, Johnny Midnight? Uh, Johnny Midnight, he plays a warden. So, oh, okay, well, there you go. Right. Um,
1: yeah, so that, I just had to have that connection there, and then also, uh, just real, real quick here, Robert McCord, the guy that shows up in like eighty-seven episodes of Twilight Zone, he's a fireman in here, uh, and Arch Johnson, who we just saw recently in Static as a uh, as the guy that was kind of given um, well, the the main character grief about everything yeah. he he's also in this as a fireman like you just real quick like i think he's the one actually addresses the family at the end um mm-hmm. so yeah a lot of and then
0: yeah. uh also there's a guy uh, lou brown who mm-hmm. plays another fireman he's in that uh telephone movie with <laughs> uh <laughs> um with uh charles bronson
1: yes and he, he was also so. that he was the the tv repairman and um i think about machines
0: oh nice yeah, so um maybe that's why we mentioned him last time. Maybe it's the same guy. I don't
1: remember. Maybe. Uh, all I know is I still gotta see Telephone. That that's uh yeah. That has to happen.
0: Yeah, I, I smell a bonus episode coming soon. <laughs> so we can have an excuse to watch this.
1: I like the idea that it's like we you know, our podcast, it's about Twilight Zone and uh anthology series and Charles Bronson. Like I just like no the matter... Oh, I'm, you guys haven't even that.
0: heard the the beginning of the Charles Bronson talk. Yeah. Uh we're getting a Charles Bronson here,
1: so a yep. few
0: more episodes guys
1: <laughs> it's, yeah it's gonna be <laughs> yeah. all right that's yeah that's all I got uh, for for the the cast as what they are here not much of a cast in terms of like these people all show up in like the last three seconds pretty much after the. yeah the I was start. gonna
0: say there's mainly four people that you have to worry about in this so um,
1: yeah yeah that's so,
0: let Serling take it away we'll jump into the plot
1: as must be obvious this is a house hovered over by Mr. Death that omnipresent player to the third and final act of every life. And it's been said, and probably rightfully so, that what follows this life is one of the unfathomable mysteries, an area of darkness which we, the living, reserve for the dead. Or so it is said. For in a moment, a child will try to cross that bridge which separates light and shadow. And of course, he must take the only known route, that indistinct highway, through the region we call the twilight zone so two things there one m- welcome back mr death yeah we, we saw him on One for the angels uh that's cool that he got name checked and two doesn't it just kind of sound like rod sterling dropped like the the script for the intro to the twilight zone and the intro to this episode and kind of mixed up the pages and just read it out loud
0: <laughs> yeah i could see that um, he he kind of looked like he didn't know where he was when he <laughs> entered this episode. So,
1: Well, he uh, was disoriented because he was outside the previous episode walking around trees, and now he just happens to be in the kitchen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well,
0: maybe he dropped his, his uh, scripts outside.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like they blew away, and then he's like, I don't know. I'll just make <laughs> up something. Um yeah, I, I like I know so like we're going to talk about that it's a birthday and I was just thinking he was in there having some cake and he's like, "Oh crap, I got to I got to give an intro." You know, like I like that he was just sneaking in eating food in this kitchen and while this was all going on. He's
0: like, "I've been out in the bushes for weeks. <laughs> I need food.
1: The, the Happy Days Cafe had no food. I have to have cake."
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: All right. Anyway, let's 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 get along just as this call started properly.
0: Yeah, so uh this episode is not Uh, too terribly convoluted so I I doubt this will take too long to get through so we can have our uh, discussion about it (laughs) as we go Um, yeah so we open with uh, Chris helping his mother who is the grandma down the steps and everything and uh, we find out that it's the grandson Billy's birthday and we get a scene with Billy and grandma hugging and you find out that they're very close Um, grandma's uh, grandma really loves, uh, Billy. So he's going to blow out his candles and everything. And Billy tells uh, grandma asks like what, uh, his wishes. So he whispers it to her and everyone's like, um, now can't we hear? And she's like, Oh no, no, that's for us. That's for us. (laughs) And she gets very emotional, very quick about how Billy has given her life again. And, um, she kind of starts crying and everything that she won't be here with him too much longer and everything. And Billy's Billy's kind of confused by that. And, the parents kind of try and wash it under the rug just like brush it under the rug They're like no 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 she's fine she'll be here for for many more years what, what fine, he says
1: what the dad says is like no she'll be here for like what was it this year and the one after next like basically he was trying yeah. to say she'll <laughs> be here for a while but it was like you're only giving her a two year span I don't know like but it's applied like when she's first being held down the steps that's like you know that she's in a delicate condition and she goes to pick up the kid and the, and the, the dad's like you know hey you need to be careful and she's like, no, Billy is a feather. And she's holding him. And then, and then when it comes to like cutting the cake, uh, he's like, well, like, won't you let, you know, let somebody else do that? And she's like, oh, if you think I'm too old to cut the cake, and then, uh, you know, um, I'll hand you the shovel. And I'll, no, no what was it? Give me a shovel and I'll dig the hole or whatever, she says. Yeah. It's like this weird, it, it, it wobbles back and forth between her being delicate, her just being just like um, stubborn. And it's like yeah. a really quick. I mean, I get that this is the point of the the story in the episode, but it, it goes from one extreme to the next real fast in the very yeah, first couple and minutes. You
0: kind of know it's coming. I yeah, mean, to like it, it, it's just a matter of time. So uh, very shortly after all that, she you can tell she's kind of short of breath, and um, she says she's fine, she's fine. So they go into the other room to open presents, well, and <laughs> we see that she had bought Billy a phone yeah for his birthday which is just like uh wasn't necessarily a toy phone but just a just a unplugged phone like here's a phone have fun <laughs> well, uh
1: did you see first did you see the way she cut the cake and handed him the slice and then he ate it like a sandwich like he had both hands holding the slice of cake between his fingers
0: i i, I didn't notice and that i'm just like
1: why would you do that and then what a
0: psychopath and then like,
1: they, the, the first president billy's opening is a gun like, it's a really large gun. I know it's a toy gun, but it's you know, they didn't make them to look like toy guns back then. And he's just like, bang, bang. And I'm like, yeah, give him a gun or a switchblade. Whatever. It's cool. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. Yep. And, and, but she gets the, you know, there's the phone and he, and she's like, no, you should call grandma right now. And they have this little back and forth. And, and that's an okay shot of him in the foreground on the phone and her in the background pretending to be on a phone. Like, mm-hmm. so you get the connection right there that, you know, it was like, you can call me anytime you want to.
0: Yeah. Like I said, this episode's pretty easy to predict what's what's about to happen, even with like the the uh, episode title and everything. Yeah. So some good foreshadowing there and everything. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know if it's, it's it, good. No, but it's, it's, it's
1: foreshadowing. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: No, I know it's foreshadowing. I just don't know if it's good or not. <laughs> that's
1: that's. I was just taking the word good out. I was like, yep, you're right. I agree. It's Yeah, okay. All right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a... Uh, this episode is uh, many things, but it's not subtle. Um, mm. So it, as soon as they have that little conver- the fake conversation on the phones, uh, you can see it come over her face and she clutches her chest and she has to be taken upstairs. And that's when we get Rod sneaking in from the dining room, uh, wiping the cape- cake off of his face. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, at that point, we enter uh, the doctor, uh, Dr. R Unger or whatever. Um, so the doctor comes down shaking his head immediately, and Billy's crying that he wants to see grandma, wants to see grandma. And, um, yeah, they're like, uh, maybe not now is the right time. Maybe it's, maybe it's not fine. So, um, after enough pleading, they finally decide, like, well, okay, we can take him up for a minute. So they go upstairs to see her, and, um, we get some interesting dialogue about mm-hmm. how the the doctor says that she might not recognize you when you go up there. And when they go up there, uh, Chris, the dad, is like, hi, mom, it's me, you know. Um, and she's like, oh, no, I, I don't know who you are. My son was taken away. From me by a woman uh, years <laughs> ago. This is my son now, Billy, pointing yeah. towards a grandkid, and it's just like, oh, that's that's pretty harsh.
1: Yeah, you get the feeling that grandma didn't like the wife whatsoever, you know. And like, oh, what, like what what told you that? Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, and I also like that uh that Chris tells uh Billy, he's like, you know, remember if grandma acts is acting strange, it's because of all the medicine. Like I thought that yeah, was uh, <laughs> Yeah. It's not
0: that she's dying. Um, <laughs> it's all the just bumped her full of drugs. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh grandma ends up dying, and um
1: I think we go a commercial break there. Yeah. And she's like, I wish you could go with me. She's like, I wish you could go with me, Billy, and whatever. And it's really it's odd, you know, and then yeah, we go to yeah. commercial.
0: Well and and that's what I'm talking about. Like her performance, as stilted as it is, almost like plays into the creepiness. Mm-hmm. Um with all of those weird things she says to Billy, like, I wish you could come with me and uh the fact that like you've given me life and all this stuff. Just the the way she uh, the way she says everything is so terrifying for some reason. <laughs> um and that, that's a kind of weird tonal issue I have with this episode is that it, it almost tries to play as like this emotional thing uh, between the grandma and the grandson. But near the end of the episode, it's just it's almost just straight terrifying.
1: It is. I, I will. Agree and I'm you. like, I, I,
0: I feel weird thinking of the grandma in this episode as like the antagonist.
1: Yeah, I mean, but she never like, like if, she never listens to anybody. She has her own viewpoint, like of what she's going to have happen, right? In terms of like, yeah, don't tell yeah. me what to do. He's giving me life. I love this kid. You know, like he's not going to be taken away by a woman. Stares at the wife. You know, like it isn't gonna, like she is so like this is her this is her reality, and it's not going to change. And that is when you get to what's going on. Like that that viewpoint didn't change through the transition. You know, and that that is, that is very unnerving. I think it's just, um, it gives you
0: conflicting feelings because in the beginning you almost feel like the, uh, the parents in this, like her son and, uh, and I forget what the wife's name is in this. I don't think they actually even say her knife, her knife, (laughs) her name (laughs) at all. Um, Sylvia, um, you almost feel like they just dismiss her a lot of the time. So you almost feel bad for the grandma at the beginning, Mm -hmm. you know, um, but then when they all play her up as an antagonist, I, I just don't know how to feel rooting for the parents. <laughs> it's, it's weird. So I, I guess we'll continue before we talk about that <laughs> a little too much. Um, so after that commercial break, we come back and you see Billy standing over the pond in the yard, just looking at the fishes and uh, the mother uh, tells him to come in and come in, come back inside and get away from the pond and everything. And you see the dad, looking at some of grandma's jewelry just looking upset everything as he would be yeah but um, yeah
1: the mom tells billy to go upstairs and play while they have some talk about like you know it's this transition right like you know his his you know mother passed away and he's going through the, the belongings and and i and I, there's something like there's something the wife says to to her husband that it's like i as much as she is kind of kind of like <laughs> She's kind of shit on the first part of the episode and then and then she's still kind of dismissed a little bit throughout it. I don't think that her positioning is wrong because she's been kind of put to the back burner because anytime that the that her mother-in-law says anything, it's like, well, you know, if she's old and frail. We'll just kind of let it go. And now that she's gone, it's like there's still like it's, it's still like she's not being taken seriously with some of her concerns and yeah, she, I could see. Yeah. I could see that. And she's her. painted. She's painted negatively, and I don't. And that's the part I, it's, I'm frustrated with because it's like, I don't. I don't see her doing anything that is negative. It's just that she has an opinion about how she should raise her son, and people are like, "Yeah, whatever. You're you're just a woman type of." It's yeah. Just like, and, it's, and so they have a conversation, and she goes to to go see how Billy's doing, and then she hears his his convert his one sided conversation on his telephone. And that's creepy, even though I wondered how she could hear him all the way downstairs, but she hears him through the door talking, to, talking on the phone. And, um, and you get the idea that he's talking to somebody. And then when she, he opens the door, she opens the door. She asked who he was talking to. And he's like, it's grandma. And she wants to know if I can come stay with her. Can I? And that is very terrifying.
0: Yes. Yeah. And it, it only gets more terrifying from there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but to go back about what you're saying about uh, Sylvia, the wife, in this, uh, I, I don't know. There's just something about this episode. Um, as much as I think a lot of the ideas are terrifying and the presentation of them are, uh, I I feel like all the characters have some faults that I just I I feel like I'm rooting for no one in this episode. <laughs> no, no I, no,
1: I agree with you. I just um, you,
0: you see what I'm saying. No, like, absolutely. I I understand. I think I guess if I were to put it to it. The wife Sylvia is the most sympathetic character in this because, but that's mainly because she doesn't have much to do and she doesn't have much dialogue, so you don't really get a feel of who she is.
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean, I feel like Chris, like especially when you get to the like the last bit with Chris, you actually finally get like like a point of sympathy for him because he is a Mm -hmm. man pulled between two worlds, right? Like he, you know, he kept trying to remind his mother, he's like, you know, I'm your son, you know, and uh, at the same time, it's like he doesn't, you know, it's like you could tell he loves his son. And it's like he, you know, he's just putting that kind of weird spot of where he's trying to make everybody happy. And I mean, I, I, like, I'm, I'm filling in this portion of the story because you can just kind of infer it's not yeah. out and out said, but you get that vibe.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like more of the sympathy is coming from just like, uh, again, I, I hate jumping forward, but, um what ultimately ends up happening with Billy. Mm -hmm. I feel like the sympathy is all being drawn from there. It's just like, Oh, look how horrible this is. Like, imagine yourself in this position. And like you said, there's a lot of filling in the blanks you can do as far as like what their relationship was, but we don't exactly know like who was on what side, who did what, at what point, you know, in all of these relationships. Um, so it's, it's just a matter of like what we see on screen. Um, and just uh, the treatment of the grandmother in that first scene where it just seems like they dismiss her and just, um, you, know, you know, act like she's barely a, <laughs> a human, you know? <laughs> it's like, yeah, uh, th- that's all I really have to go on. So until that very end, we get that sympathy with uh, with Chris like. I have nothing else to go on up until then.
1: Yeah. Um, and I, but that's you're right. Like, I think we're, given- I, I
0: think I'm looking a little bit too hard into these characters. I think you're just supposed to kind of take it at face value, you know? And, um, uh, sit back with them but i i don't know it's just it it was weird i had conflicting thoughts on this episode as far as how i was supposed to feel so Um, so
1: sylvia tells chris like hey i you know he's up there on the phone talking he thinks he's talking to to you know your your mother and he goes up to confront billy and billy's like you know in bed sad because i think the mom snapped at him snapped at him if i remember right and um and he's talking to billy and he's like you know you know, grandma's not like, she's, she's gone. She's dead. Do you understand that? And the kid's like, yeah. And he's like, and I understand that you're just playing this game, but could you just not play it when mom's around? Like that was the solution yeah. is not like, well, Hey, I, you
0: know, like, I don't, think he jumped forward it. a little bit. Cause oh, okay. they get back from the funeral and, uh, there's the neighborhood, Mr. Peterson there, the neighbor, the neighbor and the babysitter oh, okay. in yeah, the house. And the babysitter is like, Oh, I, I couldn't stop him. He's in here. He wants to talk to you. Mr. Peterson tells, uh, the parents that Billy had run out in front of his car. And so that's when the mom goes up and checks on him again. And he's on the phone yet again with grandma. That's right. And she, um, she, uh, goes in and asks who he's talking to, gets upset, uh, kind of shakes him, throws the phone down and everything. And that's when the dad comes in and says like, you know, Billy, she's dead. Like just, Please, I, I please stop doing this in front of your mother. You're That's upsetting right, yeah. her. Like I don't care. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I your liked,
0: mother is the
1: bad person. <laughs> I, I liked how angry the neighbor was. You know, he's like, I. If it wasn't for my safe driving, I would have hit your kid. It's like, you know, yeah. you're, you're almost, you still almost hit a kid though. So maybe you should be like, hey, you guys should watch out for that. But he just seems really indignant. He's <laughs> just
0: angry. Well, he's, well, he changes it by the time he leaves. He's like. Because he's like, well, I'm so sorry about that. It won't happen again, I think Chris says to him. And he's like, well, it's fine. I'm just happy everyone's okay. it's just like, well, you just barged in here alone with the babysitter waiting to confront the parents and (laughs) yelled at them for like two minutes. And then (laughs) by the end, you're like, it's fine. I'm leaving. Yeah. Yeah. Weird, weird performance. Again, just overall just strange feelings about this well there was a
1: weird there was a weird bit there too whenever like the the mom was confronting the babysitter about what happened and the babysitter was like you know he never goes outside and does this you know um he was just all, all upstairs all you know day talking on the phone and there was did, i don't know if you know there's a weird like double zoom on the, the the mom's face like it went to zoom in and then it had to cut to zoom in further because the camera was limited it was yeah. a weird like jump because i'm sure that the the cameras they're using to record this on videotape couldn't do that, that same depth of focus in one single zoom. But it was like, it was, there was a lot of weird edges to this episode. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, <coughs>
0: it, again, it's an episode. Like I understand why they chose this one to be shot on video.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Cause it, it out of a lot of the episodes we've seen this season, like this is technically the least demanding out of a lot of them. Like you can definitely get away with it, but I don't know why they pick some of the shots they picked if they knew that they were limited with what they could do. Yeah. So yeah, I I agree with you. Um, Yeah. So where were we? So yeah, as soon as he tells him like, don't do it in front of your mother, he goes back to just like whispering and laughing on the phone, which is terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Nobody ever wants to hear that.
1: No. no. So then, what was it they? They go like the husband and wife go to lay down for the night, which and their their twin beds in their bedroom. Um, <laughs> you know, it was very. It's of the time. I know, but it's just like and they, like for twin beds, they were really small beds. But you know, like they have they have a, a talk about like um, you know basically this the, what happened, and and they lay down for the night, and uh, they they hear talk like the mom hears the kill on the phone again. Right. Like she hears him talking and then she goes in and pulls the phone out of his hands and the look on her face of what she's realizing. That's a really good moment, you know, yeah. and then um, and she screams. The dad wakes up. He, he jumps over the one bed, Dukes of Hazard style, and runs out the room to the bedroom and they're talking. And in the meantime, Billy just hightails out of the bedroom. And yeah. um, you don't. Well, see I love
0: I love um. She she doesn't say that she heard her voice. Mm-hmm. She says something that's like a hundred times more creepy and just says that she could hear her breathing on the other side of the line. And it like my hair raises just thinking about that. Yeah. Like there's so many moments in this that like are genuinely creepy and probably one of the creepiest things in the series we've seen so far. Like we, uh, we haven't seen too many episodes that genuinely creep me out, but just her saying that, like I could hear her breathing on the other side of the line and that she took him and all that kind of stuff. Like all the dialogue from here on out until we get to Chris's uh, monologue at the end, like is genuinely the creepiest stuff. I think as far as I'm concerned that we've seen this far in the twilight zone.
1: Yeah. And, and like, and it's, it's unfortunate that, um, the execution of the greater whole wasn't mm-hmm. there, but the concept, this is like probably one of the more supernatural horror concepts we've had in the show. And it is creepy, you know, it, it, cause it, it, it preys upon um, the, the fear of like, you know, like uh, the, those that are gone, aren't gone. And then also that, that weird, like, like fear of technology too. It's a toy phone. It shouldn't be doing that, you know? Yeah. And it's like, that's, and the, the idea that her obsession with or her love for her grandson was so, so transcendent that she's reaching through and she, and she wants him with her, you know, that yeah. there's a lot of creepiness here. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Just uh, the idea of the dead, like enticing the living to come join them. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's terrifying. So like you said, Billy ran out of the room during that whole, uh, situation and they run downstairs and they're trying to, find him and they end up finding him in the pond. Yeah. So they bring him in. And, um, at that point, the fire, the firemen are there, um, and they're trying to revive him and everything. And Chris just out of desperation goes up and starts talking into the phone. And we get a whole, uh, monologue out of him just saying like, if you really love Billy, like, please give him back he's only 5 and that's when we get the thing about him like he hasn't even experienced wearing long pants yet <laughs> <laughs> like kind of takes you out of the moment but uh, i understand what they're going for he, i guess
1: yeah the rest of that like the rest of that thing is like he he is just like you you don't clearly he doesn't know like he didn't hear what the wife heard and, yeah. and when she's downstairs like she's having like a break where she's like she took him she took him and she's having like a freak out and um and so he just in that which is terrifying yeah is.
0: repeating that she took him and the, I, the noise of like, that equipment. It gives equipment goosebumps
1: just to <laughs> yeah just
0: think about it especially with the recycled bernard herman score mm-hmm. like i can't uh i i know it's from the first season but it works so perfectly in this episode it's incredible
1: yeah and with the sound of the the fireman's equipment just being so loud and mechanical yeah yeah and, and you know you don't know what's going on there and so like just that desperation move that chris has like he's going to pick up this toy phone he he may not entirely believe that everything's going on the way it is but he's like it's worth a shot you know and it's like yeah, there's that, what,
0: what else do you do yeah. at that point like
1: and, i the look on his face is he's giving that speech of like, he's only five. He hasn't seen the world. Let him live. It's like, that's, that's a father just like saying, please, like, you know, like I just, that's, I really, really appreciated that moment. Um, I did not appreciate the creepy clown carpet that was in that bedroom that you <laughs> yeah. saw at the end. Well, that whole room is <laughs>
0: terrifying. <laughs> and it's shot in such a, like, dark, shadowy way most of the episode. It, it, it's such a juxtaposition between the terror in this episode and just, like, a, a child's room. <laughs>
1: like, yeah.
0: And it's something that we see a lot. I mean, like most recently the stuff like saw and everything with all the clown imagery it's and you know it, of... it's it's stuff that is taken for granted now, but like in this episode it's so subtle in the way it's presented. Um
1: it's it's like yeah, the clown it's bed awesome
0: set. <laughs> it's it's it, so good.
1: <laughs> it's the clown bed that Homer made Lisa or no Bart in that episode of the Simpsons like early, early season I, uh, where you just couple together growing
0: up that uh really love clowns. Yeah. And I had a whole clown room, and I, I always remember being just petrified <laughs> of this room. I was never that—I I was never that kid that was scared of clowns growing up, but it's just something about a whole room of clowns that just—it yeah, it's, it's
1: unsettling. The, yeah, like I, could, I one of my earliest memories of being terrified by a clown, uh, and, and I guess of all of them, is this poltergeist. Like, the clown in that, because that movie yeah, came out, like, yeah. what, like, 80, 84, 85? So I was, like, six or seven, and that was, like, right th- the right time for that movie to destroy my life. You know, and yeah. that, clown, that clown doll in the corner, because it's, like, a full-size doll, that creeps yeah. me out. Even when but it wasn't doing I mean, anything. It's become yeah.
0: such a, like, staple in the horror genre to have yeah. the creepy clown. But, like, at this point, like, that that was, especially with the subject matter in this episode, that was a great idea to make such a, like, uh, uh, like
1: childlike room, you know,
0: for, to, like I said, the juxtaposition between the terror and that, um, it's it's perfect.
1: Yeah. So So we, we get to, we get him back downstairs. The, they, the, the, the the firemen rescue people, like they, they say, Hey, you know what? He's going to be okay. And so, so then you, you find out like the, you know, that Billy's coming back to them. Things are going to be okay. And supposedly whatever was going on is like that the grandmother has let Billy, you know, come back. Is kind of the implication. Yeah. And that's the end of your episode. And then you burn the phone. And then you burn the
0: phone. Yes, that's what you do. <laughs> that's how, yeah. that's what I would have done. I would have thrown through the, uh, threw the uh, phone in the pond. Yes. And uh, poured gasoline in it. <laughs>
1: Lit the <laughs> pond on fire. <laughs> yeah. Like I just I know they wouldn't have went for this, but it would have just been great if the episode would have ended with them, like him saying that, like into the phone and them going, them going downstairs and then just like having the hope that things are going to turn around. Okay. And then you just not knowing like that would have yeah. been uh, like, well, that-
0: that's how I thought it was going to end yeah. with him pleading. Cause they kind of do the zoom out on yeah. the, uh, on the dad uh, given after that speech of him, just like crying against the bed. And I was like, they're, oh man, they're not going to end this episode <laughs> like this. Cause I I kind of teased to you before we started recording that I remembered I had seen this episode. It was a very long time ago, but I remember the look on the mother's face when she hears the grandma on the phone. Um, as soon as I saw that, I was like, I remember this episode. Yeah. like, And I, I honestly couldn't remember how it ended or anything, but maybe that's why it was so predictable to me watching this because I had seen it years and years ago. Um, but I couldn't remember how it was going to end. And as they were doing that zoom out, I was like, oh, this is going to be like, this is going to be my favorite episode of all time. If they <laughs> ended on this. Uh, but no, they, they give it that happy
1: ending. And it's yeah. fine. And um, then, then someone walks in from the other room saying, oh, by the way, Flight 33 has landed in New York. Everything's good now. Like that. <laughs> uh, here we go rewriting it again.
0: But what if, too, after everything was okay, they just went back to the room and actually let you hear the breathing on the phone? Oh, no. Cool. Like, <laughs>
1: oh. <laughs> that would
0: have been terrifying.
1: Yeah. <sighs>
0: that would that would have been a little too uh, insidious or something or conjuring. Or
1: something. <laughs> I, I, was, I would leave it up to the actress, though. She'd be like, I'm breathing, is probably what she would say. You're like, uh, I don't yeah. know. Like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> even her breathing would be uh, overacted. <laughs> yeah, um, um, but yeah, I I guess two things they filmed for this episode. They actually filmed uh, Billy's body floating in the pond.
1: They yeah they were they were intended to do that, and then it was kind of like and even well Billy says that they Billy sorry the the the, the actor said that they they were going to shoot it and he even practiced floating, but they they didn't go with oh, it because they, they, they thought they that was too much. Okay.
0: Yeah. All right. And then they were supposed to shoot something else. I can't remember. Um, there were two scenes that they thought were a little bit too much for the time. Hmm. And I cannot remember what the second one was, but I thought that that was pretty morbid that they even thought about showing the, uh,
1: yeah, the drowned the kids, child. kid yeah. the
0: drowned child in the pond, yeah, like uh, that's
1: pretty insane. I'll see if I can find it. I didn't see anything else about like other things like that, but i what I did, so there there's there's some confusion, or I not say confusion. there's some there's different accounts of what happened here. and I'll start off by saying, this is from IMDb.com's trivia. I'll say this first because I think it's kind of funny about the episode, but it doesn't really parse out with what I read about it. It said, um, this is the first noted episode of The Twilight Zone that Sterling did not write, director, produce, which that's all true. And thereby, he did not receive uh, a created – he only received a created by credit in the credits. Like, he didn't get any other credit in the tell whatever and they show the credits at the end yeah and then it goes on further to say surely either did not do anything remarkable in this episode or refused credit for something that he did do and i just thought that was funny where he's like you know what no i'm good like i i'm good i don't need <laughs> but so th- the second part to this is uh talking about um the end speech that chris gives so uh, this is supposedly from uh, Idolson himself saying that they they had an- they had another speech that Chris gave and it was more, it was more focused on Chris himself as opposed to Billy, which I don't even know how I even got that far in production with someone being like this has to be about the kid. Uh, Sterling didn't like it, so he's like, you guys got to rewrite this tonight or whenever. And so either here's the point of contention, either Serling wrote that bit himself or. Idelson and um, Beaumont got together and wrote it. However, Idelson said that, um, that Beaumont didn't do anything because at that point, and he says this, uh, what was it, um, that Beaumont couldn't even do it because of his Alzheimer's. So I think he was implying that Beaumont couldn't even, like, on set write, like, a speech. So I don't know how Not far wow. along. It's, it's, it's a little murky about exactly what happened other than they had the scene. They shot it. Sterling didn't like it. And they shot the new one with uh, with the exception of the words long pants. It's actually a really moving bit. And to kind of find out that maybe Sterling wrote that part kind of makes sense because it thematically ties in the whole episode and gets the point across. And, yeah. Uh, and, and, yeah. you know, so it's, well, it's, it yeah. doesn't help
0: that Idelson has, uh, kind of given different stories yeah. multiple times throughout the years on what actually happened with this episode. So he's not the, not the best source for all this kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. I just, I, I the, the, it's kind of it, knowing what we know about how quickly Beaumont deteriorated. I, I still feel like that some of this was leaning into that because of this episode. And then, um, uh, the prime mover makes you wonder, mm-hmm. you know, if this was starting where he was starting just to try to do the best he can with what he had. You know, and or if people were starting to kind of, you know, cover for him a little bit. I don't know, but that, seem, that seems about right to me, but I don't know how true that is. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to see after this episode,
0: um, he still has, let me see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 more credits all the way up until 1964. Huh. So I maybe. So. <sighs> I don't, I, yeah, don't I don't know. Like that. that's why I mean, like I could see maybe until like 19 end of 1963 and then 64. He only has two credits. Like I could totally see that being the case, but like he still has a long time to go as far as his twilight zone career.
1: Yeah. I mean, and, and that, that,
0: so uh, that maybe could I'm be something of Idelson. Know. Like I said, he, from what I hear, he was pretty irate about what ended up happening with his, uh, yeah. crediting on that episode that may have been a situation that he was just mad that the teleplay got taken away from him. But yeah. it's one of those things. I don't think anyone knows anymore. <laughs>
1: that, that, that's fair. <laughs> I just, um, I will say that certainly decision to change the speech is the right one. Like as yes, much as, yes. as, as much as I'm, I agree with you. There is, you know, really good ideas in here. I, I really didn't much care for this episode in terms of just his execution it annoyed me you know and i and i hate to say that because there's some strong ideas here and and even chris um the the actor his performance at the very end uh phil abbott he he does a good job with that you know and and it's fine it's just that there's just there's just parts about this thing that just drive me batty watching it And and i that's my reaction you know, your mileage may vary and maybe other people like they can look past the execution, but just knowing like, and we'll, we'll talk more about the overall, how we felt about the video episodes when we get to the end of the season. It's just, we've seen, we've seen better handled examples using limited media. That's, that's what I'll say about that.
0: Yeah. I'll agree with you. I think, I think the production of this episode isn't great. Um, I, I think the story just with the high concept of this just being so it's, it's so easy to grasp. Mm -hmm. It's, it's terrifying. Like I said, this is the first episode that is genuinely outside of maybe like, uh, after hours with the mannequins and stuff. This is one of the first ones that's really gotten under my skin. And, um, I, I, I really enjoyed it. I just, like I've said about a lot of the video stuff, And we'll, again, we'll get to it when we do the season recap. Um, This is another episode. I'm just, I'm upset that they chose this one to be done on video. I understand why they did it. um, Because it's visually, you don't have to go to a lot of locations. You don't have to do too much crazy uh, stuff with it. Um, But I just, I can only imagine if this was shot on film. And if they would have taken the time. To really set this up like imagine this with the lighting of something like um, uh, what was the episode uh, a few episodes ago we had Jeremy on for the invaders um, invaders like imagine this episode with the kind of lighting and the detail they had in the invaders mm-hmm. like it, this would have been one of the greatest uh, pieces of television ever ever made (laughs) like as far as i'm concerned like if they would have just taken that little bit extra time which i know they didn't have they were pumping these things out i just it 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 just leaves me wanting what could have been Mm -hmm. um but i i did really enjoy this episode um I, like I said, I thought it was terrifying. I feel like I was a little bit too hard on my analysis of the characters and the <laughs> saying that they're all completely unlikable. Um, but if if you take the episode just based on, like I said um, earlier, with put your sympathy only on if you were a parent and your kid was taken, you know, and your kid was dying, like put your sympathy towards that. Um, kind of take out all the other analysis on the characters and everything. Just leave it simple. Um, it, it's, it's a heartbreaking episode. And I, I think the actors did a great job in it. Um, like I said, the wife didn't have much, much to do in it, so it's kind of hard to draw. But the end speech from the father is incredible. I think the grandma, with that stage background that she had, um, she plays it almost otherworldly from the beginning. So she almost has this like mystical feel to her character. So when it comes down to her speaking to her through the phone, um, like you kind of believe it, mm-hmm. like just based on her performance. So I, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed this. I, it just, it hit me right now at a, at a good time, I think. So.
1: Yeah. I, that, yeah. And, and I, I had, and I had to watch it twice. So I was not, <laughs> I was like, Ugh. yeah, I, yeah, just, just I, I I've know.
0: watched it three times. Oh, okay. uh, counting counting the first time I watched it years ago, and I watched it twice. It's, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. i I really dug this one. I just maybe it's just because I lean more towards the horror stuff. and this is one of the more straightforward horror episodes we've gotten. So it was something that I finally was able to grasp onto, holy. Um, as far as genre stuff,
1: well, that, okay. So I'll, I'll say, and I, I think I've mentioned this before. Yeah,
0: but oh, we have oh. we have a lot of smart sci-fi on this show, um, but we don't get a lot of horror. And I know, I know, we will. It'll get more into the creepy stuff later mm-hmm. on in the series. But um, I, yeah, maybe that's maybe that's why I kind of grabbed onto it.
1: Well, I, and I think maybe I mentioned this on the actual show itself. If not, then I was talking to you about this w- between recordings. Uh, Tell us from the dark side. There's an episode called "Sorry, Right Number." I think that's the name of the episode, uh, and it's it was the teleplay written by Stephen King. Uh, it was intended for Amazing Stories, and they said it's not amazing enough, so it ended up in Tales from the Dark Side. Um, it kind of also deals with with um, someone talking to someone on a telephone, and that one to me, the 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 vehicle of how it happens is a little bit more. whoa, what's going on here? But it there there's an emotional punch to it that I that I liked. It's been a long time since I've seen it, but it still dealt with like someone like phone calls that shouldn't make sense. Hmm. And, um, and, and I know Hmm. like, hopefully maybe we'll uh, get to that one later, but, uh, yeah,
0: this, this episode was, uh, it was written by
1: Stephen King. Yeah. So, so interesting. Yeah. So that, 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 that's your recommendation if people can get to Tales from the Dark Side, maybe watch that one as well. Because they're using, not not to go too much about it, but a telephone as a device that connects, you know, not just you into the person. Like, for goodness sakes, we're using Skype right now, which is basically internet telephone, to, to do this. I it, it will always be forever creepy with the idea that there's the possibility that you might be trying to reach somebody. And end up connected to something completely different or something's trying to reach you from someplace that doesn't make sense that will always be forever creepy yeah you
0: know? i got goosebumps with you just saying that like <laughs> <laughs> it's great it's it's such an incredible idea
1: what people don't um, know is i've been dead for six months that's what, uh,
0: <laughs> well it, it's funny because when we we're connecting up on skype tonight uh our skype was saying that there is no connection between us, and it says yeah. that neither of us are online. So it kind of plays into that.
1: <laughs> yeah. So um, that's pretty funny. Yeah, that's um, it's all I got for the episode. I, uh, I yeah. Yeah, anyway. I, th-
0: I, I agree with you. It's, uh, I'm not gonna say it's one of my favorite episodes. Um, I, I think it's a great idea with some great moments that are hindered by poor production quality. Yeah. I that I I think that's the, the easiest way to sum up this episode.
1: Yeah. So let's uh, let's get to the twist. I just put a question mark on there because I I don't. Yeah, know. Yes, it's a
0: gray area here.
1: I put two. I don't know. Like I don't like the like I the I guess the 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 twist they got me was that the mom could hear the breathing. Like and like you you as the audience never heard it, but the fact yeah. that yeah. she also heard it was enough for me to be like okay it could it could have been very easy for them to never have any type of communication with the parents you know
0: yeah um two things before i give it i i did find they were supposed to originally show the grandma dying on screen and they thought that that was too morbid okay there you go which which i agree with them like it's probably it's unnecessary in this episode. And I'm
1: a dad. Yeah. Like
0: I, and I think, <laughs> I think bringing her upstairs and having that whole scene with her on the deathbed um, plays out a little bit better than her just collapsing on the floor in mm. the middle of him opening presents. I feel like that would have been uh, talk about something not being subtle. Um, yeah. I, this episode could have went uh, worse. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> like the, we could have heard the voice. We could have, we could have seen more. The fact that it was all, we never heard the grandma's voice. We never saw anything. We never saw the, any of the terror actually happening. We only saw reactions. We only saw the aftermath. Um, I, I think it helps this episode age. I, it, cause it still is creepy to this day mm-hmm. because of those reasons. So I'm glad they did that. Um, I'm stalling right now because I'm trying to figure (laughs) out what I consider the twist is. Um, I, I guess I'll agree with you. We keep getting these episodes where it's like, you have to kind of figure out what we're considering the twist, but
1: (sighs) yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah,
0: I'll, I'll just give it a two. Um, yeah, just remember that's the (laughs) twist rating. It's not the episode rating. I like the, I like this episode more than two. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, th- there's no real twist. You can kind of see it coming the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing's really shocking. It's just the way it plays out is kind of creepy. So Yeah. So yeah. so right. I, I'll, I'll agree with you. <laughs>
1: right. So that, that will uh, that'll do it for a long-distance call. Uh, so, Kevin, how can people get a
0: hold of us? Uh, you can find us on Facebook at Strange Highways Podcast. Uh, join the conversation on there. And also on the Instagram at Strange Highways Podcast can email us at strangehighwayspodcast at gmail.com. If you want to leave us an email, let us know how you're enjoying the show. Uh, leave us voicemails through there. Uh, talk about your favorite episodes. Let us know what you thought about the characters in this episode. <laughs> See if they're all as unlikable as I thought they were. Um, uh, what else? Yeah, You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, Satchel, Podbean, anywhere that you can find podcasts. We are there. Um, And it would definitely help us out if you would rate and review us, especially on iTunes. Uh, Give us a five-star rating up there. Help us get out uh, and be heard by some more people.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, next episode is 100 Yards Over the Rim. Um, And this is what uh, I got. I got the the teaser for it, so bear with me. (laughs) Tuck in. Um, (laughs) Next week, you'll ride up front in this uh, wagon on a trek west. Uh, Your itinerary is across the Great Plains over the Rockies to a point in New Mexico and you'll ride along Mr. Cliff Robertson and a strange tale of a handful of American pioneers who made a detour and time and found themselves uh, on an afternoon on the fringe of the future. Our story is called a hundred years over the rim. And believe me, it's quite a view. I hope we'll see you then. Sounds like the Oregon trail and uh, Rod Serling Sterling will die of dysentery. No, that's not. That's not
0: right at all. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I can guarantee I have not seen this episode.
1: Um, yeah, but we do
0: I. have the return of Buzz Kulik, so uh, <laughs> yeah. this will be his fourth appearance on the show.
1: Yeah, so, uh, so yeah, uh, that's going to do it for us this week. Um, hope to see you guys next week for 100 yards over the rim. And in the meantime, uh, I'd say don't answer the phone. But I mean, you know, what? just if you just just text. Just you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna call me, just text me. I'll, yeah. I'll text you back. I'm not gonna pick up the phone because I don't know who's going to be there.
0: Yeah, it's much less terrifying to get a text from the dead. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm
1: texting from be- I don't know I got nothing <laughs>
0: right. run out into the street like I keep uh, getting- who is this stop texting me keep- I'm not running out in the street
1: <laughs> I keep getting a, an event invite for the afterlife I don't know should I accept it yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: Now, mm. oh, mother, why don't you let Sil cut the cake? Huh?
1: You think I'm too old to cut the cake, huh? <laughs> when I'm that old, you get the shovel and dig the hole.
0: <laughs>